0: of The book of Genesis. We've got as far as Genesis 21, and uh, this morning um, I want to take a, a slightly different approach um, to speaking rather than classically speaking with five points beginning with P. I'd like to challenge us to ask a very simple question, and that is this What do I believe? What do I believe? See, God likes questions. God loves a two-way dialogue, and we saw that when Steve was speaking from Genesis 18 about Abraham interceding um, over Sodom. And I've been very much challenged over the last 18 months. I've been doing the Word Plus course. It's a Bible study theological course that we do every so often with other. People from our family of churches. And it's been quite scary to look at scriptures which I've known for over 50 years and which I think I've really understood for 35 years and realize that there's something a lot more to it than what I see. We can't always take things at face value. We pray, Lord, this is your truth. The entrance to your word brings light. The sum total of God's worth is truth. And as a preacher, you can pray that at the beginning of a preach, but I stand before you as someone who is fallible, fallen, weak. Yes, I am a son. And so it's important that we say, but what do I believe? We take the word and we look at it and say, but what is God actually saying to me? I wonder, you hear the preaching week after week here, you've got your favourite Bible teacher on God TV or you love your everyday with Selwyn notes, or whatever it is. And and you read those, and you just soak it all in. But should we be soaking it all in? Or should we be taking it, reading it, considering it, and weighing it? Because God's God's word is truth, but my interpretation may not be complete truth. So I'm not trying to sow doubt this morning, I'm just trying to paint a picture, and hopefully within the next half an hour, you'll see where I'm going. But I think there's a challenge for us to wrestle, wrestle with the Word of God. It's a challenge for us to wrestle with the Word of God, and not just take everything we always hear on board as wrote. Let me encourage you in your journey with this wonderful Jesus. Let me remind you that it is your journey with Jesus. It is our journey, yes, but also it's your journey with Jesus. And you need to ask yourself the question, what do I believe? Is it right if we just pray again? just like to pray again. Never pray too much, can we? Lord Jesus, it's been such a privilege already this morning to focus on you, to tell you how wonderful you are, how excellent you are, Lord, to recognise that everything we are, have and am, it all started with you. You are the centre of all things. Lord Jesus, we pray. Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, teach us and highlight to us this morning. Lord, would you continue to gently move us into all truth. Because, Father, we want to walk in your ways and not in the ways of man. Amen. So I've been looking at um, Genesis 21 for quite a few weeks now. And uh, it's the story of Sarah, as we know. And uh, let's just read it. Only a short passage, which is nice. It says this I, uh, about the birth of Isaac. And it's Genesis 21, 1 7. It says this. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time at which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah had borne him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him abraham was a hundred years old when his son isaac was born to him and sarah said god has made laughter for me and everyone who hears it will laugh over me and she said who would have said to abraham that sarah would nurse children yet i have borne him a son in my old age we've been reading the story haven't we about abraham and his journey but i just wonder what was Sarah's perspective perspective, perspective, on all of this? How did she feel about the journey that she was taken on? We know the end of the story that she becomes the mother of Isaac. She's a key woman in the, person, in the purposes of God, and she is a woman of faith. But how did it start in Genesis eleven twenty-nine? 29? Well, it starts with God calling Abraham, who was then called Abram. And Sarah's only claim to fame, according to the word of God, was that she was a barren wife. Thanks very much for that. And Abraham encounters God, and he's receiving these magnificent promises. But what about Sarah? It says in in, um, Genesis 12, verse 5, that uh, they go off on the journey, and Sarah goes with Abraham, but nowhere... It's written, anyway, does it say that Sarah was consulted and they had a discussion. Abraham was called, he took his family, and he went. So Sarah follows her husband through all all the upheaval. And then her so-called God-fearing husband says, Can you tell some lies for me to the king of Egypt? We heard that story, didn't we? So she has to lie, and she has to move in to the king of Egypt's house. I just wonder in all of this, did Sarah ever stop and ask, but what do I believe? Of course, the fun really starts then, doesn't it? God speaks to Abraham, you will have a son. No pressure then, Sarah. I've just followed you, just doing as I'm told. You're having all these great encounters, and now we're going to have a son. Thanks for that. The pressure mounts in Genesis 16, as we saw, and Sarah and Hagar, Ishmael, the semi-legitimate way of having a son for Abraham and all that came about of that. And that was spoken on very clearly when Sam Morris came in November. If you're taking notes, please write this in your notes. Listen to Sam Norris again, 23rd of November, Beacon Church. It was excellent. Anyone remember his three points? Come on, Steve. I've got to try and remember them now. Go for God, not just the good. Yeah? Who are you listening to? And persevere. I think Julia and I can honestly say that has become a shaping word for us and our household. And I believe... As a church, we should weigh whether God is actually saying that to us because I believe that is a word for us as a church. So whether Sarah likes it or not, she's taken on this journey. She has to lie. She has to live with this great man of God who continually messes things up and keeps making errors of judgment. But up to that point, Sarah had not, as we've shown, may have done, but not as we've shown from the word, had her own encounter with God and this is really where I'm coming to today is that I believe amongst us there are those here who are still yet to have their own encounter with God just bear with me again in Abraham, in Genesis 18 God uh, Abraham has another amazing encounter with maybe with the Lord with God with his sent angels not quite sure though it does say the Lord in the word And Abraham has this encounter. And what does Sarah do? She's sent to get the refreshments. Read it for yourself. It's there. Go and prepare a meal. So I'm trying to paint a picture. Here's this lady, faithfully following her husband. He just seems to be having all these great experiences, yet he's full of flaws. But what about Sarah? I think it's one of the things that can happen in the church. We can know our Bible verses. We know the songs. We know how to talk to one another as Christians. We're very careful what we say, so we do it correctly. Maybe we're getting a little bit, little bit more honest these days, which is good. We're, we've moved here to Greenhill. I mean, hallelujah, isn't it good? More space. Jesus is very graciously adding people to us. It's wonderful what Jesus is doing amongst us. But maybe for you, you've come on the journey, but you still think, Lord, what about an encounter for me with you? Could I hear you speak to me? We can have a longing, a longing for that personal encounter, a longing for that deep personal walk with the Lord, even not because we've been sinning, but we've been coming faithfully with everyone but we're still looking for that encounter for ourselves. But I have some good news. It's always good news, especially when you're holding this book. I have good news, and that is that God has promises that are unique to you. God has promises and a purpose for you. He has a purpose and promise for us, which is normally how I preach, about us, but I've really felt the Lord is saying, You, me, as individual. He has a purpose for us. Genesis 21. It starts with this incredible verse. This is stunning. It says, this is pre-Jesus. The Lord visited Sarah. Sanctified imagination is allowed. The Lord visited Sarah. Sarah. As he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah, as he had promised. Hallelujah. Years of serving, years of following, years of putting up with all this stuff, and then Sarah is visited by the Lord. I think that is fantastic. What's the outcome of the visit? Well, we see in verse 2, it says, Sarah conceived... And bought Abraham a son at the time of which God had spoken. So, firstly, Sarah brought forth life at just the right time. Hallelujah. What's another outcome of her encounter with God? She had to allow God to have his way with the promise, i.e., Isaac. She had to allow him to be circumcised. That would have caused. Pain, but it was part of her obedience towards God and Abraham. When we meet with God, we don't hold that encounter, write a book, and travel the world talking about it. We move on with what God has for us. We don't stay at the place of encounter. We move on with a God who has more encounters. There was circumcision, there was a shedding of blood, there was a son of promise. Even at this early stage in the Bible, God can't resist pointing towards another son of promise who's coming, who will shed blood. Isn't it wonderful? It's a simple word. <laughs> it says here, another promise, an outcome of the promise. Sarah received joy and laughter. And it said, verse 6, it said, God has made laughter for me and everyone who hears will laugh over me. I sometimes listen to that read in church and I wonder if everyone will all suddenly burst into laughter when they hear it. But you see, if you try and laugh, it's quite hard. It'd be quite forced. It's quite difficult. And sometimes in, in, uh, in church we can try and have joy when there isn't a lot of joy in there because our, the, our joy comes initially from our, our encounter and knowing the Lord. Not from something we can necessarily summon up. So very simplistic, but it's been very much on my heart for these last few weeks. You see, Julia and I we came to Beacon about seven years ago now. Slim got rid of us. <laughs> but when we first came, I, I had some disagreements with Steve and John and David over a few bits and bobs and, and so forth and I would get very frustrated. I'd debate with Steve about worship and subjectivity and objectivity in worship. And I was just getting so sort of, I know we both love Jesus. but, uh, But here's the fact. Here's what I've seen over the last two or three years. God graciously opened my eyes to the fact that when I was debating with Steve about this, I held the view strongly, but actually I'd never really thought view through the view for myself. It's what I've been taught for the previous 24 years. That's not criticizing what I've been taught, but I hadn't really got it for myself. So when Steve would come back and say, yeah, okay, brother, I hear you, but what about that? I would see it as a personal attack on what I believe, and we can see how dangerous that is in this world rather than having a soft heart and saying, but what do I believe? Have I got the confidence to go away with the scriptures that David or John has shared with me and look at it and see actually, yeah, there is another way. I think it's true for many of us. We can hold views very strongly, but have we actually married them with the word of God? Have we weighed them? Have we looked to see what other men and women of God have said I'm not trying to sow doubt or confusion, just challenging you that you have a brain, intelligence and the spirit of God in you and God can speak to us. What do I believe? As I said before, we, we hear great Bible teachers. I've been to conferences and uh, especially about 30 years ago, you go to conferences and you'd start with the warm-up, wouldn't you? worship, Stunning healings. I mean, whew, stuff that would make your, your, your feet curl up in, or uncurl. In some Amazing. Breaking plaster casts. Phenomenal things. Some of these things we saw 30 years ago. The danger is when the man comes to preach the words, you can take everything he says and go, that's all 100% correct. Yes, hear the word from a gentle and right heart, but also go back, look, check it out. Weigh it against the other word. Find other Bible readers, commentators that you trust. Are you getting uh, vaguely sort of seeing where I'm coming from? No, good. (laughs) Okay, no, that's fine. Yeah, no no pressure. Weigh scripture with scripture is all I'm saying. The reason I struggled with it because I took it as a personal attack if someone said they didn't agree with me, and I think that's in many of us. But let's weigh scripture with scripture. Understand the context. It's been a shock to me. To go to Bible school for the second time, I've been before full time, and see that the context of many scriptures that I thought I knew actually don't mean that at all. And I'm not going to throw out examples because that's be what you remember, and I don't want you to remember that bit. But let's check, let's wrestle with the scripture from a right heart and with a right attitude. You know, we have men and women of great wisdom and experience. You know, look at Fred and Aris, people of great wisdom and experience. If we're not sure, I'll ask them. Yeah? Let's use the resources that God has put amongst us. But remember, what do I believe? The challenge here, you know, is, is to the quiet ones in the church, the insignificant ones, the ones who kind of not always so prominent. I want you to take heart from Sarah's story, this woman of God. Take heart from Sarah because she encountered the Lord at just the right time. Just the right time. Often in the Bible it says, and at just the right time, X, Y, Z, they could not lay their hands on Jesus because his time had not come. We have a God of perfect timing. My head... And my emotions say, you're sure, but the truth is, God is a God of perfect timing. How else can we take heart from Sarah? Well, don't hold on too tightly to what you receive. As I said earlier, we receive things from God. Let's move on, not just stay at that one point. If you see magnificent healings, it doesn't necessarily mean God's called you to a healing ministry. God may have other things. Healing could be part of that. I've had to learn that the hard way over many, many years. God wants us to grow. And when we grow, it's tough, yeah? Is it a battle? Anyone in a battle at the minute? Is it only me? Keep your hand down if you're in a battle at the minute. That's good. Yeah. Can't be a good bit of manipulation, can you? Okay. But when we have a battle, remember what God has said to us. Two or three weeks ago, David here... Preached on size, S-I-H, no, S-I-G-H-S. Size, strongholds, and I have to look my notes, I've forgotten. Struggles. What a word. Spot on. Listen to it again. Hear it. Soak it. It's the word of God. Weigh it. Decide if that's what you believe God is saying. For me, I believe that is what God is saying. Because... It is tough. C. S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, said this. If a Christian wants warmth and comfort, then it is best that he drinks a bottle of port. <laughs> we we've created a, a a church in the past where we have a problem when we go for prayer and talk about our needs rather than coming back to the word of God and repenting and saying, Lord, I need your comfort. It's tough and I'm going to get my head down and I'm going to keep going with the prayers of others, of course. But here's our comfort. Here's our strength. Just reading this morning. If I can turn to that. It's not. This isn't in the notes. In Psalm 34. I was really hoping someone was going to read it this morning so I could get all excited, but it didn't happen. Because so. <laughs> God's not into magic tricks. He's into... Psalm 34. It says this in verse 15. It says, The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ears towards their cry. Who, because of what Jesus has done, is righteous this morning? Not your own righteousness. that that, We can't survive. Okay. Well, this is what the word of God says for you to weigh. It says, The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and his ears towards their cry. And verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them. Yeah. In the difficulty, in the loneliness, in the isolation, in the I've got a grotty week coming up. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of a few of their troubles. Oh, sorry to do that. (laughs) He delivers us out of all of our troubles. What a wonderful God. Take heart from Sarah. Finally, Sarah knew that she couldn't trust in herself. She had to trust in the Lord and trust those godly people that God had put around her. But it's important to remember it's not all about us getting in the right place and us weighing things and, oh, I've got lots of responsibility now. The promise to Sarah defied human reason. Romans 4, chapter 19 is is very gentle and easy and loving. It said, the deadness of Sarah's womb. The Bible, straight between the eyes, says it how it is. And yet Hebrews 11 says, verse 12 says this it says by faith sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age she considered him faithful who had promised and friends we have a god who is faithful to what he has promised we really do isaac the child of promise arrived he was born totally in god's grace Abraham and Sarah had no hope of reliance on themselves. And in all their human frailty, they eventually utterly relied on a faithful God. What's so frustrating as a Christian as you get older that you realise that you do have to come to the end of yourself and to lay it down. what i want us to try and remember this morning is that abraham and sarah both heard god for themselves but they heard in different ways and they acted according to their personality and character and that was fine they often got it wrong like i do but god in his grace brought about his long-term purposes because after 25 years what happened The promise arrived. It was only 25 years. Despite messing up, despite wobbling, despite trying to make it work in their own strength, God brought about the promise. That is such a comfort to me. We can't rely on our own ingenuity, we can only rely on our wonderful Jesus. He is faithful. He is faithful. Barb, is Barb here? How long did you have to wait for your promise? Seven years. Seven years. But every day was a real easy day of joy and it was just like a dream, wasn't it? Not at all. Are you saying it was a bit difficult? Slightly difficult. This isn't rehearsed, by the way. It, so we have seen, haven't we, how God has been faithful. Just the right place, at just the right time. Incredible. No, no man could do that. That is God. And also the faithfulness of a lady who kept praying when it was difficult. Marvellous. Isaac came, the son of promise, forerunner of Jesus. We make much of Jesus in this church. Jesus also encountered all sorts of trials and difficulties. And he said, you will have trouble in this world, but do not fear. I have overcome the world. He's not going to take us out to sit on the cloud. He's going to be with us to work through the the things that we we face. I'm going to leave all that. A couple more scriptures. Psalm 138, verse 8. Written after, after Sarah and Abraham had, had, had left this world, the psalmist says this He says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast, O Lord, your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. For each one of you, God will fulfill his purpose. The dreams, the desires, the things that you've got on your heart, God will have his way. We have testimony right here with one faithful lady in the church. God will bring about his purposes. Philippians 1 and verse 6 says this, I was wondering how many times I've heard this said whether it's 10 50 279 times 428 times how many times have I heard this scripture here it comes again and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ so one Psalm 138 you can insert your own name the Lord will fulfill his purpose for Margaret. You could put your own name in there. Middle of the night, good thing to do. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work will bring it to the completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Abraham and Sarah, the great journey they had, and even the next few verses, very exciting, all things that went on, and still they continued to make mistakes and had challenges. God brought about his promise but they didn't stop at the promise they moved on because Isaac grew up and they had to move on and when we have our encounter with the Lord however that is or we get deeper into the word we can move on from that place into more of what God has got for us anyone remember David's prophecy picture from last week Okay, phone, phone pad. Yeah, block of notes by the phone. Okay. David saw a picture. Correct me if I get this wrong at all. And, and there, was, there was a pad by the phone. And on the, on the pad, every page had writing on it with promises and prayers and desires and things we wanted to ask God and things that were on our heart. And I could just see sort of this box pad that you could sort of do that with, you know, by the phone. And if I got this right, David was saying, you know, the Lord says, I know, I, I know that. And it can become all a bit overwhelming when you see all that. How do I pray today, Lord? What do I ask you for? Where should I be going? It can all become a bit much. And there was a sense in David showing that the Holy Spirit just wanted to lift the pressure from us we must get our confession right we must do this right we must get the word right there's a sense of refreshment and i believe that this morning god wants to give a a a refreshment to us we have the ministry team where we can go and get go and get prayed for as well but we are a work in progress anyone here a work in progress yeah (laughs) and uh People like Julia and Steve, who know me well, know that I'm very much a work in progress. I'm just going to leave it there. Should we just should we stand and we just pray?